you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. Um, and Ben, I was thinking, you know what's coming up soon? Halloween. Halloween. And we, we've not really thought about it yet, have we? We need to think about something because it will be upon us before we know. It will be. And it is kind of the time I look forward to most, probably more than Christmas or anything else. That's that you're, you're, you're a, a true paranormal <laughs> podcaster through and through. That's true. That's true. I just like the um, the mysterious the mysteriousness of the night and like seeing people wandering around in costumes. Although I will never dress up because I'm just kind of miserable like that. But I do like seeing like I, I like seeing all the adults sort of putting in loads of effort and um, all the kids dressed up as like little ghosts and stuff. It's all it's all really cute and lovely. I love the whole thing. Uh, I've probably said this before on the podcast, but it's worth uh, worth recanting the story again. I remember Halloween uh, a few years ago and taking my son around. And uh, there's that rule, isn't there? If there's not a pumpkin outside and there's not a candle there, you shouldn't knock on the door. You shouldn't go knocking, yeah. And there was a, <laughs> there was a house that didn't have a candle on uh, or a pumpkin. And uh, my son and his friend just ran up and rang the bell. And I came, I came running along saying, no, 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 you can't do that unless there's a pumpkin outside. You shouldn't really do that. With that, a man opened the door dressed as Count Dracula. And then his wife came round the corner fully dressed as well. And then, uh, uh, and then their two kids came out with a massive bowl of candy. And I thought, okay that rule hasn't really applied to this household <laughs> because unless this is what they dress like like 365 i don't know <laughs> that is amazing i love that they must have been like completely thrilled by that it, i tell you, it was uh, it was completely surreal because you know there's me as this kind of concerned parent i don't know you can't do that and then a guy in a full full on hammer house of horror count dracula outfit opens the door it's brilliant um so uh, there's also a couple of people I'd quite like to mention, Ben. We, all, we always talk about people who uh, leave reviews, which is great. And I think, as we said last week, we almost want to talk about them because it makes us feel great that we're getting them, let, mm. you know, rather than anything else. Uh, so a quick mention to Benno609, who left us a message saying, you guys are so funny and amazing. Love the wide range of topics. Helping me through the pandemic in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks, guys. Keep them coming, which is great. So thank you for that, Ben0609. The other person I'd like to mention as well uh, is someone on Twitter called Blackstone Photo uh, because uh, somebody asked him for recommendations of good podcasts uh, and he recommended us. He said, you know, go. he talks about us and he also mentions Astonishing Legends podcast, which also may be worth... Uh, talking about but of us he says at TKM podcast it's uh, it slightly more UK focused uh, and is fascinating and presented really well which is nice to hear oh well thank you very much but I also am a massive fan of Astonishing Legends um, like if uh, if anyone hasn't discovered it they're just doing a series now on um, one of my favourite books The Vertical Plane so it's definitely worth jumping in and giving them a listen yeah, definitely. And uh, obviously Blackstone Photo has got incredibly good taste. <laughs> All right, good. Um, 
I think you've got something for us today, right, Pat? I do, I do. So for anybody that hasn't been to the UK or more specifically Wales, I've got a story about a place called, uh, well, very specifically Broadhaven, but it's in a place called Pembrokeshire. It's probably most famous for maybe the world's, or uh, sorry, not the world's, Britain's smallest city, um, but it's a very rugged piece of coastline and it does get pretty rural. Have you have you ever been there? Uh, I, I've been around that area. I've not been to there specifically, but I know that coastline and I know exactly what you mean. Actually, while you were talking, it I don't know, it, it kind of brings all kinds of visions to your mind of, you know, smugglers and all kinds of stuff going on, doesn't it? Yes, it, it is that sort of place. Well, in 1977, there was an alleged spacecraft landing at the local primary school. So let right. me, I know, and it's, and it's a really good one as well. Okay, brilliant. So this forms, this sighting forms part of what is called the Diffid Triangle. So Diffid is a part of Wales. And this is, it goes back four decades and there are over 7,000 documents attributed to these reports in this particular area. And those are MOD reports, police reports, um, all that, um, you know, all the official bodies. So, for example, there's a uh, when I was researching this, I found there's a, uh, a brilliant sighting. So Welsh, unfortunately, is really difficult to pronounce. And if I get anything wrong, I really do apologise. I have... I've done that thing where you can go on to Google and ask how it's pronounced, but Google doesn't quite get it right. But um, one of the sightings in the Diffid Triangle, for example, is uh, in Rosili Bay on the Gower Peninsula. Two easy words, thank goodness. And this was um, September 2005, so sort of much more up to date. And there's this report of a UFO which appears... They, it, the witnesses describe it as looking like a World War II Luftwaffe prototype jet. One of the eyewitnesses says, suddenly we became aware of a bright object travelling at very high speed, moving horizontally from west to east, almost directly above our heads. And that was something, that was a report directly to um, the Ministry of Defence. They go on to talk about how it had these stubby, swept-back wings and um, this incident then came to be mentioned in the House of Commons after pe- wow. uh, people lobbied their MP for Anglesey. And the w- the main reason they were worried is because there's a, there's a power station there and they thought there might be, um, you, you know, these sorts of sightings are not ideal near a power station. Yeah, well, it's interesting that I work also the interesting of the description of the craft because that doesn't uh it doesn't fit the normal typical mode or mode of what you would uh, expect a ufo to look like no so that's, that's right interesting to me yeah no but going on a little further i was just going i was say, taking like a subset of the sightings that i found um in that triangle there's another really good one. Um, there's somebody called Rosa Granville who runs a hotel in Littlehaven, which is just up the coastline from the location we're going to be mainly talking about. And she says that she was woken late at night and what she saw, she described it as a typical flying saucer ship. And then 
she says she saw a silver alien shape coming out of it. And that is wow. relevant when you hear the story at Broadhaven. So, okay. as I say, this all starts in 1977, but just keep, just bear in mind, like for, for those listeners that live in massive countries, the diff- the distance between um, Broadhaven and Little Haven and those other places I've just described, it's like a, it's a half hour car journey, but the reason it's half hour is because the roads are so small. It's a very, very compact area. Yep. And... Probably the way to start is by telling you that there's um, a, a boy. Well, he was a boy at the time. He won't be any more, but he was called David Davis, and he was 10. And he'd heard rumours about the flying saucers in the area, but he didn't believe them. And in fact, you know, even at 10, he said that he was a natural-born sceptic. Wow, that's amazing. I know, I know. Well, I suspect it was probably like his parents saying, no, no, don't listen to that, don't listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then one day he says he sees this cigar-shaped craft with a dome covering the middle third. And he says, my sighting only lasted a couple of seconds. It popped up and then went back behind a tree. And this sighting happens when he's in the playground of this primary school. Right, And he says, so this is him recounting the story a few years later as an adult. He says, none of the teachers believed the children. But the headmaster had a bit of an inspiration and he separated the kids out and got them to draw what it was that they saw. And this is why this case is so intriguing, because they what they drew was basically the same thing. So before they'd had a chance to collaborate in class or whatever he had sent them to different points in the school told them to draw it out and um, we'll be able to put these drawings in the show notes you'll see that stylistically they're different some of them are absolutely amazing if uh, if you're a fan of scooby-doo there's some there's some definite imagination going on there but <laughs> bit of, um, a bit of embellishment on some there is a little embellishment but they are they are largely the same shape and the same scenario. And, of course, following the sighting, the media descend on this village, and right. this uh, this witness says it became what he describes as a wild roller coaster. Before you get on to that, mm. I just... <laughs> I I was just I was just chuckling to myself about the teacher because you can imagine the teacher going, yeah yeah yeah. I'll show them how people's perception of things and memories are totally different. I'll separate them out and they can draw and we'll come back with about twenty different styles of spaceship and I can do a really good important lesson on it. I just got this picture of him sitting there and they all come back with the same drawing and he's like, oh right okay, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. And that is why the media descend, because he he then begins to defend the kids and says, yeah, this wasn't a this wasn't an anomaly. They definitely saw something. And because the press descended and I've got a little clip I can play you later. It's only very, very short, but it comes from um, a BBC news report at the time. 
But there is a whole load of kids who were asked by reporters to tell them what it is they'd seen. And I think this speaks of the time as well, because I wonder whether we'd get this in today's day and age. But it seems like the parents and the teachers were absolutely comfortable with the kids talking to the press. So, for example, a child, um, again, he's 10, Michael Matheson Webb at the time, he says it was silver and cigar shaped with a big dome and a red light flashing on top. So very similar to the previous account. We couldn't believe it at first. One of the boys ran down the hill to tell Sir, but he didn't believe it. I watched it for between three and five minutes. It had a flashing red light and I'm sure it was a spaceship. It definitely wasn't a helicopter. Everyone is sure that what they saw, uh, everyone is sure that they saw something. It, again, seems cigar-shaped with this large dome on top. I was really frightened when I saw it. Um, Then a couple of other boys, these are brothers, Sean and David Ward, they describe coming running in to um, where the teachers are and trying to explain to them what they'd seen. As they weren't getting any, uh, any sort of positive response... Um, They joined some other boys and they went to the top of the playing field and carried on observing what he describes or they describe as something silver and disc shaped. And then they describe that there's what appears to be a door opening in the side of the object. And they describe this figure and like that last account from the hotel owner, they say, well, this figure was silver Again, they repeat the fact that the object had this dome on top of it and the light. This is the consistent factor through them all. And this light stands out because, as they describe it, it was a dull day, so they could see this thing relatively clearly. The only thing that obscures it is because there's some trees beyond where they are, but this is is very close to this um, these child's playground. Um, Probably the next thing to do is to... Listen to the clip and you can hear one of these uh, eyewitnesses say it in their own terms. I was, my friend Philip here was trying to find a way over the stream and I was looking at the bushes up the top of the trees and then uh, suddenly the silver cigar-shaped object seemed to pop up from behind the bushes and uh, trying to take off. So that's that was from a BBC report at the time. And again... I, ju- I just got this vision that... <laughs> the aliens have gone, yeah, you don't want to talk to the adults. They're completely crazy. Let's let's go talk to the kids. They're the only ones with any sense. Well, the it's it's like they the it's the way that I interpret it is if there were all these sightings around, it's almost like if there really was an entity there, they didn't care about being seen. Right. Um particularly if you've got all these you know, kids there who, who've got all these stories. And maybe they, you know, like we've said before, maybe it's the same as us just turning up at a colony of lemurs. You know, we don't care whether they see us or, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I've, I've, there's there's bits of it while you're talking that are just reminded me of Sam, the Sandown Clown as well. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, when, you des- when you described earlier the... Uh, the 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 creature the the alien coming out in the silver gear. I just thought it's bloody David Bowie again. 
Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he just spends his life going around, kind of, you know. <laughs> well, I would say uh, it, it, it's also some of the descriptions are very Gary Glittery, but he's cancelled, so we can't really. Yeah, but we're, we're not going there. But they do um, seem to be intergalactic you know 1970s glam rockers (laughs) (laughs) there is a theme here because sam the sandown clown was kind of slightly earlier wasn't it It was 73 so this is yeah 77 yeah yeah so it's five years later interesting but it 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 does well maybe the aliens have gone you know i've i've had a look we've we've got these tv pictures coming through there's this thing called top of the pops i know what everybody's wearing we need to fit in and you know try and dress uh, accordingly like they used to do on star trek when they used to do an away mission and they always had to dress in the right way the problem is the aliens think everybody looks like you know ziggy stardust yeah one child says he screamed at me do you want to be in my gang and he said no really no no so the the last of the children accounts I'll give you because they are really similar. There's a there's a kid called Jeremy who's nine, and he says I saw the UFO when it was dinner time. He means lunch break. It, he describes it as being silvery green with a yellowy orange to red color light disc at the bottom and a sort of dome on the top. So you see the similarities. I've kind of I've perhaps overstated it now, but every one of these kids is saying the same thing: cigar stroke disc which depends on the perspective you're looking at it and this dome on top and this red light and that it isn't only the kids so there's a a quote again from the contemporary from the time 77 and mrs morgan said i saw it too you know it was real when they went a little whirlwind of dust came across the playground it was almost as if they were saying goodbye so well, that's interesting. I was wondering that while you were talking. Did any adults see this? And by the sounds of it, they yeah, did. they it doesn't seem doesn't seem like any teachers saw it. Well, so so that was that she was a class teacher. That quote. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah Mrs. Morgan. She was a teacher. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a class wow, teacher. All right. Um, okay. And I'm assuming then uh, that this thing didn't make any noise particularly it wasn't no because you because you would think if oh they've just mistaken a helicopter or whatever or you know whichever way you look at it you know if the helicopters arrived on the school playing ground right that's right that's right and in fact some of the reports at the time do say you know um are you sure this wasn't a helicopter? Because there is this sort of assumption that as everyone is um, reporting disc and cigar shapes. Disc and domes. And domes, yes, that's right. So they're thinking, well, the blades of a helicopter can look disc-shaped and yep. the dome of the helicopter, perhaps you get the wrong way around. And of course, helicopters do have, you know, flashing aviation lights on them. And... But but any you know I've I've been to a few places where even kind of small helicopters have landed and the sound is immense. It's you know what I mean. And in a school playground, even with lots of screaming kids, that would dominate. Yes, it? it would. It would. And if somebody, so so the site it's landing in. I had a look at it on Google Maps. It's actually still um, marked out today. It's full of trees. And this is why the children describe it like bobbing behind the trees. Of course, the trees would have been a lot less in height 
back in 77, but it's still a highly wooded area. Unless you're a skilled pilot with a very particular mission in mind, you're not going to land there because it's very, very dangerous. And like you say, an adult is unlikely to say a little whirlwind of dust came across the playground. It was almost as if they were saying goodbye. In 1977, any adult, even out in the rural parts and bearing in mind although i've described those as rural that bit of wales there is still a lot of um military activity around there 77 we're sort of in the first third of the cold war and there's a lot of military exercises like i remember going on school trips down to the gower coast there and you would get jet planes doing exercises over the sea flying incredibly low practicing whatever and you you know even at seven years old you know what military aircraft look like you absolutely do yeah actually i've just i've just seen kind of images of the school i was just looking them up while you're talking yeah yeah i mean you know you're right a helicopter you've got wooded bits you've got you've got the the noise it would make I mean, to be honest, from an alien perspective, I think that's a hell of a landing when you're wearing those earth silver platform shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they didn't describe the dance moves that they did, but um, <laughs> I was I was expecting or hoping for somebody to say that there were like um, glitter bombs going off behind them and um, some kind of enormous pointy guitar, probably with a keyboard on it, but sadly no (laughs) but this this report encourages lots of other people to come forward and it seems like this isn't the only place that the craft landed so there's a really interesting set of reports from interviews with the coombs family and they are living at ripperston farm and amongst the recorded accounts that they give was a sighting of a UFO from their car, and they describe a seven-foot-tall silver-suited being with a black visor appearing outside of their car window. After this account, after this experience, they then say that they have constant mechanical disturbances, so their car breaks down and their television uh, set breaks, uh, both of which have to be replaced. And then there's this absolutely nuts report that we have seen elsewhere, but their cows are teleported from one field to another. And this this is one of the most extraordinary case sort of pieces about it. So they don't actually make a big deal out of it as much of a big deal as I would, because I think it's extraordinary. But we hear this in cattle mutilation cases, don't we? That um, Yeah, moving. Yeah, mo- moving livestock around. But this is a field full of cows in a... That wasn't a pun, by the way. Moving wasn't a pun. Oh! <laughs> I thought of the pun after I said the words. Can I also, can I also clarify? Yes. If, if any of our listeners are hearing strange noises in the background, that's just your dog snoring, right? Oh, God, can you hear him? I can, but it's fine. Can it be? Was it, it just? Uh, I I hadn't really noticed it until we mentioned cows mooing, and I thought, oh, he, 
Is Ben putting in a cow mooing sound effect? And then I know no, his dog. no, that that is my dog who unfortunately gets bored by my paranormal stories. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's everyone's a critic. Everyone's a critic. He's lying on the um, where I record this from. There's a little sort of sofa-y seat next to um, the desk, and he's lying on there. Having the time of his life, he had a he had a big old walk this morning. So um, yeah, he's uh, it, it he's wouldn't be the out. same if he wasn't there. But I I just thought if anyone is hearing strange noises, it is yeah, that's my dog. For, again, for any dog fans out there, he's a, uh, a quite a big Cavalier King Charles. He's not fat. He's just big boned uh, like me. <laughs> um, All right, sorry. I, I just thought no, I'd no, point no. Out, it's but, um, <laughs> it, it's it 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 bears saying because can, can we go back actually? Yes, to the, yes. The, when you said the cows moved from, do we know? So it's like you look at them one minute, one second, and they're in one field, and then they appeared somewhere else. How does that no, work? No, no. So they they're in one field, locked in that field with the gates shut, and then right. the next morning the gates are still shut, but the cows are in a different field. Wow! And it's one of those where if you were an arch skeptic you would say, well, did anybody check for holes in the hedge or anything like that? But it's one of those cases where, no, probably they didn't, and it was was them telling a reporter that that's what happened. But at the same time, farmers really do know how to look after their cattle, and the the chances of cattle overnight moving from one field to another, yeah, of course it's not impossible if they find a gap and there's something that attracts them in there. But they don't believe that that's what it is. But when you like, what sort of intrigued me about that? Like I say, the cattle mutilation cases. There's loads of um, sort of anecdotal reports of cows, um, and these are often in the the states. But I did come across a couple in Scotland where cows are moved from uh, a field into a um, a barn. The barn is locked from the inside. They have to cut in to get the cows out. Wow. And also the, the cows are strangely calm. And, the, you know, it, it's one of those sort of, oh, okay, so this is very similar to some other reports we've heard. But That's very trickstery, isn't it? It's inc- <laughs> yeah, it's really it, it's, trickstery. It's, it's like a, an elaborate practical joke. That's amazing. It is. It is. And But what's so fascinating about it is that in this case, it goes alongside, you know, the fact that they had to replace their TV set and their car and they see this tall suited being. And then it it doesn't stop there later on. um, Again, I mentioned that um, that hotel owner in uh, Little Haven had seen um, an object. Then later on, she says that she sees something that she describes as a faceless humanoid with a pointed head. So we're sort of talking something from cone heads, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says there's two of them, and these beings give off so much uh, heat that she says her face felt burned. So, again, really... See, we talked about things like that the other week didn't we it was something that you wouldn't expect which just seems so surreal that you, it, it, it just seems like a weird thing to make up doesn't it it it's it's incredibly it's if you were to make something up yeah like you probably 
this is the sort of thing where maybe if you'd been watching, you know, that um, that 70s series UFO or Lost in Space, something like that, even even Star Trek. Yeah, maybe. But these are not, you know, these aren't just kids. This is like so far we've heard from hotel owners, farmers, um, yeah, a class teacher. And I don't, you know, they'd have to have come together in a big conspiracy. Like, so there is, I'm not going to play the tape because um, I don't think it's necessarily worthy because I, I, I just don't think it's, it's great, but if you want to find somebody, because I was looking for, because a lot of these times I like to find a part of the story where we go, ah, or was it a fake? And Arch Debunker, or he likes to think he is Chris French of the paranormal, he did a little piece in um, 2007 where he described what he thought had happened at this uh, at the school but he himself says it was like a one in a million conspiracy uh, one in a million coincidence and it was like all the usual stuff the you know lighthouse ship at sea um a change in perspective because of the uh, the atmosphere you know the atmospheric changes like yeah maybe 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 and a, and maybe. a david bowie gig in the local area right maybe 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 but if you've got all these people who as we always say they have a lot to lose and not a lot to gain nobody made any money off this even if somebody wrote a book and i couldn't find any other kids wrote a book the only book i could find on this which had any sort of credibility you know it wasn't just one of those 30 page things um that are written in a lunchtime on on amazon i ordered it yeah. and then when it arrived because i was going to use it as source material for this when it arrived it turns out it was a novel based on the story but i've started oh, reading it God. i know it's actually quite good it's called the watchers like um it's only a tenner off amazon but i started reading it going well there's a lot of dialogue in here for uh, <laughs> reports of an alien landing. And then I, I went to the... It's a good job you, you managed to kind of work that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just... Because I, oh, well, I often get books and I'm always excited to kind of rip them open. And like what I do, like little insight into my production process, I've got one of those um, Adobe OCR readers on my phone and I go through and make like... Um, I, I put post-its in the book and then take photographs of those pages and then I can turn them into notes. And I was just starting to do this with that. And I was like, so about chapter three, Margaret Thatcher comes in. And I was like, no way. And that was when I went to the back. It was like, oh, right. It's sci-fi oh, fiction based fiction on. Based yeah, on, yeah, okay. yeah damn. damn it. Uh, yeah, Margaret Thatcher was in no way, well, nowhere directly involved, involved anyway. No, no, not as far as I can tell. But she was taking taking the milk away so, from the aliens. Yeah, but um, anyway. you, you remember I said that questions were asked in Parliament. So this is yes. this is very interesting. There's um, it was made public, and I think um, I can attribute this to to Nick Pope for pulling this out. But I found it in a different report. There was a 
um, a private memo to the provost and security service of the RAF. So it's basically the military police. And it comes from a minister. There's the same minister who's asking the question in Parliament. And the extract reads... I should be grateful if you would let me know whether you think some sort of discreet inquiry would be worthwhile, or even whether there is a prima facie uh, uh, evidence for a more serious specialist inquiry. Um, And he also goes on to say, I've not told the minister I'm consulting you. And Nick Pope then goes on to explain like how much of a kind of a big deal that is, because this means that writing on behalf of a minister without even telling the minister They've sent right. a note to an official RAF body asking whether any of these mysterious events should be investigated. And, and also, I, I, maybe I'm, re- I'm reading too much into that statement, but there, there also seems to be a bit of a hint of, we're not saying you need to go into details, but could you just tip me off if this was something to do with you or something you were testing? Or am I just reading too much into that? No, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. But it's so it's so interesting that at the time we get all of these um, credible reports and then when people start to take a bit of a backwards look at this, you know, from a point in the future and go, well, was what was actually going on there? People put in, like, all sorts of extraordinary remarks which are designed to um take away from the genuine uh, things that were discussed at the time so for right. example um there is uh, a, a flight lieutenant commander uh, is that a, ju- a juxtaposition maybe it's just a flight lieutenant sorry um from raf Bordy, which is just down the road and uh, just after this happened, he said to the BBC, should a UFO arrive at RAF Bordy, we will charge normal landing fees. And that's the sort of, that's the kind of level that you yeah, get disinformation yeah. at the time. But then yeah. later on, there is talk of, oh, there was a local prankster. And then there's discussion that, well, the kind of silvery suit that is described by the witnesses is exactly the type of protection suit that would have been issued in the event of a fire at one of the local oil refineries and then there's a businessman called glenn edwards who in 1996 wrote a report saying that he wandered around the area in a silver suit in 1977 as a prank now none of this actually really adds up because looking into it uh he was not seven foot tall and even if you're wandering around the area in a silver suit as a bit of a prank are you also carrying with you a 50 foot inflatable spacecraft yeah Yeah. it all of this just goes into that box of it can't be real it was this guy in a suit and it kind of it's you know it's the same thing as the crop circle phenomena it's the same thing as saying that roswell was a balloon you know i'm not saying it's aliens because there is that that well the report i opened up with which was that sort of um short stubby plain looking thing with wings 
that to me sounds military. And well, I think the the other thing about the this guy saying he's walking around in a silver suit as a prank, you know, if people who would go, all oh, right, that's what it is, would easily dismiss one person saying they'd seen a UFO land. They'd say, no, they're they're a crank. They they've seen something else, but. I bet people didn't rush to say that about this guy who claimed he was walking around in a silver suit. Do you know what I mean? That's right. You know, on one hand, you've got the weight of multiple witnesses and then one guy saying it's a prank. Now, maybe it was a prank, but you, you have to put a level of this guy could be making it up not for any kind of sinister reasons. He might just be making that bit up for a joke saying mm-hmm. he did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most recent comment I could find on the whole thing was somebody, they're not named, but they say they're a US Navy sailor. And he says the figure in the silver suit was in fact a member of the US military personnel wearing their standard fireproof uniform. And the uniforms were new Harrier jump jets. Well, that... Again, that sounds credible on paper, but just take a look at our show notes. I am currently looking at four drawings done at the behest of that head teacher at the primary school. They, like we were joking about it before, but they do look the same. And any small boy in the 70s knew what a Harrier jump jet looked like because... Like, we built them in Airfix. I myself built a whole fleet of yeah. Harry jump jets because the model you could get, you could you could flip the wings because that was the thing yeah. about the real thing. If- but, and the other thing is, I've, I remember uh, as a kid uh, around that time going to uh, an air show with my yeah. dad and yeah. seeing a Harrier jump jet. That thing makes a hell of a noise. <laughs> it does. If, and that's my point with this. You know, yeah. I get an inflatable or, you know, some elaborate plank where, you, yeah, okay, that seems logical. But a Harrier jump jet would, you know, not only knock over the trees, it would make a hell of a racket. That's right. If, if you aren't familiar with a Harrier jump jet, these are the planes that land and take off vertically. And the way that they do that is that they have these um, directed air jets that at the beginning they force downwards a little bit like um, a helicopter, but they are big jet pipes out of the side. And when they take off, they take off in a very... Uh, they, they, I guess the way to describe it is they start off a little bit shaky and then they just kind of rise up quite quickly. But you're right, the noise is astonishing and you can feel the draft like quite a long way away. But in no respect do they have a door that opens in the side. The dome on top, sure, they have a canopy and it's the canopy where the pilot gets in and out of. But you don't see in any of these pictures, you don't see the, the, the door that the children describe at the top. The dome is housing uh, some sort of window-like element and there's a door below it. A few of the kids have drawn the silver being that they saw and on top of it is this single red or orange light. 
but none of those things relate to what a Harrier jump jet is remotely like. Um, one of the intriguing things that you will see when you look at these pictures, and it comes up, I think probably we'll publish the four that um, I'm looking here because they're the most readily available. And yeah. you'll notice that on two of the drawings where the children have drawn um, the being that they saw, and this is again where you have to go, like, where's this coming from? The being is depicted as having pointy ears, a little bit Spock-like. And you have to again go, like you said, trickster what the hell's going on what the hell's yeah. going on but all of that lends weight to other people that will go oh that's a bit convenient this spacecraft deposits a a being that looks like captain spock and he's not captain spock is yeah. he whatever he, you know, spock from star trek and yeah. like it, that's when you get into this argument of yeah but why couldn't it i i don't know the whole thing again like most of the things that we discuss it's very confusing but it's full of really brilliant people and the the pictures i've seen the pictures i've seen um if they are the right ones just doing a bit of a google now they look more like um cat's ears or or a bat right yeah 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 they're quite they're quite pronounced yeah they're Um, pronounced um, yes yes that's true yeah, interesting. So that is kind of what, yeah. So I suppose the whole theme of this episode is did a spacecraft land at a primary school in 1977? And if it uh, didn't, what on earth did happen? Because it was enough to send the teachers into a bit of a furore. It was enough to get yeah. all the papers and the BBC down. And yeah. it has never been it's never been disproved the the kids that were there today like i i saw some they're not massively contemporary accounts but i saw some of them being interviewed in like 2007 when it was like the 40th anniversary and they still say no no what we saw is what we saw nobody will convince us otherwise well i I do yeah i agree I i it's always interesting to me accounts where there are multiple witnesses and the fact that there is a combination of these kids and an adult and adults and teachers and all kinds of people who saw it and you know I from what you've said I I find it hard to believe that some guy sticks on a silver suit and is wondering about that doesn't make any sense to me you know I still find it difficult to believe that a Harrier jump jet could fit the bill here you know even you know maybe i don't know about the sound it just seems to me it would cause so much of a disturbance and be so loud and and crazy and also like you said some of the descriptions don't match the behavior of that craft so yeah fascinating and and just really interesting where it's lands you know what i mean landing in a school is incredible angle to the story again it comes back to those themes that we've talked about there is just something 
bizarre about it we we always say don't we why is it in a wood in the middle of nowhere and there's two people or it it's on a kind of secret military base that nobody knows about it's almost like they went well okay this time let's just put it down in the middle of a school mm, mm. <laughs> and the only and the only way to write for people to write that off is to go oh no no it was some crazy guy in a silver outfit or for some reason the ref man it just decided to land a harrier jump jet in a yes. school yes yes because <laughs> yeah that would that would be logical wouldn't it without any you know notice up front let's put this incredibly dangerous weapon land it in a school full of children without telling anybody that makes sense absolutely and i think if we if it hadn't been for that quick thinking headmaster this would have been quickly written off if he hadn't done that job of separating the pupils what i quite like about it as well is the fact um that some of the drawings i'm looking at one of the kids just took this really crazy sighting and basically turned it into a class project. So he's Brilliant. he's he or she has driven has uh, drawn this picture of what they saw, which is quite well done. Then decorated it and then added the words UFO cited by pupils of Broadhaven CP School, and then scrolled, oh, yeah, yeah, February 4th, 1977, underneath it. <laughs> um, but, but the way that they've kind of done, oh, it's a class project. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it just sounds like a normal thing. Yeah. I, the, other, I, the other thing that was going through my mind when you were recanting the story, and I do think your point about the teacher separating them out and then doing these drawings is important. Because at first I was thinking, oh, I wonder if this is, when we've covered them on the podcast before, one of those mass hysteria events. Yeah. But that kind of goes, well, you know, I guess it's still possible before they were asked to do the drawings, they could have somehow all convinced themselves they saw the same thing. But it, you would think details would be lost in that, right? But... But you wouldn't. Pitch. But yeah. but even if you'd done that, you wouldn't halfway through the sighting, run down the playground to get a teacher to come and look at what it was that you were seeing, would you? You would, mm. you, you know, because if you did, it's likely, you know, if if it was an aircraft, it's very very likely there'd be a big noise, and the teachers would come out and go, "Oh yeah, look at that. That's really." Yeah, that's yeah. interesting but also why is an aircraft landing here and they'd also go kids yeah. don't be afraid you would but, but you'd also go kids get inside in yeah, case it's gonna crash that's right <laughs> yeah you would you would but also you wouldn't have that that if you think about how like human dynamics work so that head teacher he the when he decides to separate the kids out to do their drawings he is not He's just heard firsthand from the kids what's happened. But if he didn't think there was something there, he wouldn't have done it. He also, but, sorry, there also wouldn't be a report from one of the teachers. And you can imagine behind the scenes, some of the teachers must have said to him, do you know what, there was something there and I've no idea what it was. If an adult had seen it, as they definitely did from those reports, they would have said, Oh, the kids are just it's just their fantasy. They've never seen anything like this before. And yeah. they would have all been calmed down. They certainly wouldn't have been whipped into a fury by asking them to draw a UFO. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. they are naming it as a UFO means that 
So it can mean, like, it can mean a number of things, but it can mean either that they know themselves that it's UFO because they're just savvy, uh, unaware that that is a thing that, you know, they you, they might come across, or you know, or that is sort of what the teacher said to them. If it had been very firmly, no, this didn't happen, the teacher would have said, you know, I would imagine, and I, this can only be speculation, but the teacher would have said, well, no, let's have a look at some of the aeroplanes that we might see flying around here. And this is an interesting yeah, one. Yeah. And like any teacher with, you, you know, that um, is in that situation would probably have said, well, why don't we all put together a letter to the RAF? I'll ask them if we can come and see one of their aeroplanes. You know, that's the sort of yeah, thing that yeah, you might yeah. do. You definitely wouldn't encourage them to come up with, to, to, to enhance what would be considered a fantasy. And that yeah. is... The thing that I find most extraordinary about this, because there yeah. are like again, there's nothing, there's nothing to be gained from playing it on here, but there are clips of the headmaster, and he does not seem like a fantasist. I mean, he might just have a, you know, an interest in it, but even so, you you heard the um, you heard the sort of conviction in the voice of that child who's speaking to the BBC reporter. That is not the conviction of a child who's trying to make something up and when you start looking at evidence and things that people can corroborate on yeah sure they might get some of the minor details wrong but like they all come up with this massive light on top they Mm. all come up with that they all come up with the same shape they all describe this big dome they all describe it as being enormous they all describe it as going behind the same place just outside the playground behind these um uh, these trees and then other <laughs> reputable adults describe very similar beings and things in that area and as i say there's 7000 documents to go through it's um yeah it's a fascinating and peculiar thing and again if you put it down to one man i mean to be fair what is one grown man doing walking around in a foil suit going oh this is a laugh what why is he trying <laughs> on, on to the hope that is yeah, exactly the other thing that really strikes me about it it makes you think you know we've we've said on the podcast before you know god is the only way that people might believe in it if one lands you know somewhere like Times square or wherever or wembley stadium and uh but it does show doesn't it that Let's go with it. Let's assume this was a UFO that landed in a school playground or in the area of a school that was spotted by a group of kids, teachers and people in the area. Mm-hmm. And and by the sounds of it, in terms of debunking, the only way it gets debunked is quite complex and has a number of holes. It just makes you wonder, you know... God, people who do have those lone incidents on, you know, wooded roads in America and a one-on-one incident, you know, you're never going to get believed for that. You know, if you're not going to believe a multiple sighting with multiple witnesses who are not at a military base trying to cover something up, do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, it's like, geez, what, what, what would need to happen or the capacity that acknowledging it would just blow your mind. 
but it, it's back the other thing i'm thinking is back to that theme that we've talked about a number of times there's almost something about the ridiculousness of this that makes it more plausible for me you know there's there are, of course there are stereotypical elements of ufo sightings in there but you know the school connection the kids doing the drawings all these things the the suit all that the the aliens in the suit and all that stuff it's it it a bit like sam the sandown clown it's almost so kind of comical in some ways that it it almost lends credence to it to me yeah yeah i agree yeah well you know again it's interesting you say about sam the sandown clown because those the details of that were also so intricate that they'd be incredibly hard to make up unless we could find some source material like in a a book or something which sounded very similar and you could attribute it to imagination but it's so off the wall and weird and his quotes are so peculiar um that it, it i think that all lends credibility to this sadly there are no cases of this entity um doing any communication via rock and roll or the medium of speech or anything anything else like <laughs> or that mime. <laughs> or mime no no but again uh, you know the it's as much of a mystery even if it is a uh, a ufo because what what on earth were they doing landing there what was so interesting you know and like yeah. we said, we just have to assume that we'll never understand their logic if that's what it is, because their logic is is unperceptible, imperceptible to us, because it's a different yeah. different logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, really incredible. I, it's so intriguing that story. That really is um, because of those those uh, not the, the the elements that are not typical. I really stands out for me mm. yeah yeah well and, and also the other bit that you mentioned about the woman who said that these you know she'd encountered these creatures whose whose heads made her you know were giving off so much heat that it felt like it was burning her face that's that that's an intriguing comment as well yeah yeah exactly um yeah well, let us know what you and think out there uh, if you've if you've heard of the story or you haven't just you know we'd love to know what uh you think was it just some kind of school kids getting carried away and then everybody getting swept away with it or is there something else going on well i'd also like to know about um paranormal things that you saw at school because yeah that's a really good point i I think there's quite a lot of stuff like um you know if we go beyond harry potter that like i imagine every boarding school in the world has a story about a ghost or a gray lady or a white lady or something like that but yeah. I wonder if there's any other curious things that anybody came across in their school that um, almost became a thing amongst the kids, but perhaps the adults were too, may I don't know, too uh, reticent to engage with it. So it just became yeah. a memory and it was never ratified, un- unlike the headmaster in this case. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you can always uh, get in contact with us on Twitter or Facebook at TQM Podcast um, or uh, leave us uh, a message where you get your podcast if you can do that on your platform. So it's really interesting. 
I'm back to platforms again, aren't I? Yeah. Platform, <laughs> platform boots. <laughs> what we're going to discover well, is that actually Kiss really are aliens and <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. they were just looking yeah. for new places to do gigs like well I, well it's funny you say that because my, my there's a there's a scooby-doo episode re- more recent one uh not when we were kids but now which i remember my son watching and i watched it with him just to see how scooby-doo has gone on but it involves kiss and i as if i remember rightly the plot of that episode is that or film is that they kiss off from an alien planet so you might be onto something good god i didn't realize that well there we there go, go. scooby Doo solved it once again yeah oh and the other thing before we go uh we were mentioning halloween's coming up so if anyone has got any suggestions of what they think we should be doing for our episode for the halloween week let us know perfect good all right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll be back next week with more paranormalness on the quantum mechanics. Thanks for listening. Don't get abducted. See you next time. Quantum mechanics.